Let's pray. Father, tonight, we thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that you are faithful to your word. You're faithful to our lives. Lord, because you can't ever deny yourself, you're faithful. I pray tonight that, that we connect with you by the Spirit. Lord, I understand we have an intellect and we need to get some things, but I pray you, you connect with us in the Spirit realm, that we hear your voice in the Spirit, so that we understand what you have to say to us. Lord, may we, may we freely receive and have this Spirit of revelation this evening. Lord, I thank you so much that you really, really, really do want to speak with us. You really do want to teach us and, and help us in our walk with you. Father, I thank you tonight. We give you praise and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I don't know if you realize it or not, but there's a war going on, on around you. Inside of you, there's a war that's happening. I mean, if you've read the news at all t this week, you know there's a war. I mean, when the FBI raids the house of the former president of the United States and they've ignored the current president of the United States and his son with whom they do have proof, Amen. there's a war. There's something going on. When they had permission from a judge that let Jeffrey Epstein go, there's a problem. There's a war. It's going on everywhere. We need to understand that there's a war. Uh, when the government labels Christian moms as domestic terrorists because they're standing against the teaching of transgenderism and the critical race theory. There's a fight to fight. There's a war to fight. When boys and men are allowed to go into the, the dressing rooms and restrooms of girls and women, that's a problem. I mean, there's, there's a war going on. Unfortunately, right now, the conversation is being controlled by those who oppose our God and oppose Christianity. From, from the media mostly, not, not just the news media, but the entertainment media. I mean, I don't know if you read much into movies or not, but any movie, you ought to think about what they're trying to tell you because they have underlying messages throughout many pictures that you see. And so they're trying to convince you that certain lifestyles are normal, that certain ways of thinking are normal, and that they're okay. And so they're just out there. I mean, even you in this room this week, You've been having to fight thoughts that have been coming to you. Thoughts that come and say that you're no good. You won't make it. There's no hope. That We might as well just give up. You're just too insignificant. I mean, all this is going on with thoughts, with things that are happening out there, and it seems as if there's nothing we can do. It seems as if there's nothing we can do. I mean... It seems like we're helpless and hopeless at this point. It seems like it's all going so bad the wrong way that it can't be it can't be reeled in at all. So let me read you a verse of scripture. Second Corinthians chapter ten, verse four. I'm going to read it now, but we're going to read it later. We'll talk more about it. But I want to draw one thing out of it here. The Bible says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I want you to notice two important words here. The weapons of, here are the two words, our warfare. Whose warfare did it say? Ours. The Bible says it's our war. Did you realize that? This isn't just the politician's war. This is our war. 
The letter is written to Christians. This is our war. We have more power than all the politicians. It's our war. Our war. It's not just someone else's. It's our war. This is my war. I'm a soldier in the Lord's army. Do you, I don't know if you remember when we were kids, we sang that song that we were soldiers in the Lord's army. You know, we would fly over the enemy and shoot the artillery. We did all those hand motions with it. And, you know, I believed it. I grew up, do you, do, but do we still believe it? We're soldiers in the Lord's army. Some of us have the thought, well, we're just too old or we can't do this or we can't do that. That's just not true. We still are enlisted in the Lord's army. He is still the king of a kingdom. And we are still his people. I mean, we're a soldier. To fail to fight in this war is treason against the king. We have, we signed up to be a part of his army. We do what he says. Jesus is the captain of our faith, the Bible says. He's the captain and we should be following him, not the other way around. I believe with all my heart we are here today on this planet at this time for a purpose. This is why we're in the world. This is the why we this is this is the purpose for which we've been born. Not so that we can whine and complain, but so we can fight a fight so that God can win. We must fight. We must fight. It's my war. It's your war. We must be soldiers in this army. I know a lot of times we feel like this scripture, this is out of, out of 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 8. This is, this, this is how Peter said that Lot felt. It says, For that just man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by what he saw and heard of their lawless acts. Isn't that, isn't that kind of the way it is some days? We just feel like our soul is being tormented because the conversation is being controlled by those who oppose God. That's why we said a few weeks ago, whoever controls the conversation wins. So it's time for us to take back the conversation. Now I'm going to ask you a trick question. It's a trick question, so be ready. Would God ever ask us to do anything that we cannot do? The answer is yes. He, everything he asks us to do, we can't do. Because if we can do it, we don't need him. We need him. We need his power. We need his weapons. We need his might. And if we will, if he asks us to do it, we understand that we can do it through him. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We understand that he's called us to do some things that we simply cannot do. He's called us to do some things that are impossible. The Bible says that with man, some things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. All things are possible. We need to recognize it's a war. It is possible. It's His might, His weaponry, His power. The Scripture says, through our God, we shall do valiantly. It is He that treads down the enemy. We just have to be valiant. We just have to show up and put on the armor and be willing to do the fight. But he wins the fight for us. The war for our nation, 
The war for our cities is ours to win if we'll learn to fight a fight of faith. Thank God for our soldiers that have gone to other countries to fight and they fought in the military for us. And I'm so grateful for them. But I'll tell you, we need to fight this fight of faith in the spirit so we don't have to fight a physical fight on this land. Because there are those who want to come. There are those who want to, 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 to weaken this nation to the degree that we truly are a third world country. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 6. And Jonathan said to the young man who bears his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. God isn't worried about how few of us there are. He's not worried about that. In fact, he's not worried about anything. He understands that he just needs someone to agree with him, someone to stand with him, someone who's willing to lift their voice in the spirit, in the authority of the name of Jesus and take a stand for what is right. There's a fight to fight. It's our fight. It's our war. And we, instead of us being so uh, passive and thinking, well, you know, if only this person could get elected. No, what about if I can get hold of God? I'm going to cast my vote for him. He's already the king, so that's what I have to do. You see, it may seem like there's only a few, but I'm guessing tonight there are millions all over this country who are standing with us standing like we are. It isn't hopeless if we will just do what we're supposed to do. God is not restrained by anything except our faith. He is not moved by our need. He's moved by our faith. And we need to be people who believe what He says. The Bible says this in Isaiah 7 verse 9, If you will not believe, surely you will not be established. The opposite is true. If I will believe, I will be established. We need to take what God said and believe Him. The Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 2.14, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Now you look up that Greek word always, and you know what it means? Always. Every time. All the time. The Bible says that in Christ we win. He always causes us to triumph in Christ. There's a fight to fight. It's our fight. Why don't you just say out loud, it's my fight. It's my fight. Yeah, it's my fight. It's your fight. And we have to be willing to fight this fight. I mean, we've got to learn to fight the way Jesus fought. We, we've talked about that. He's fought with the sword of his mouth. We need to learn how to fight according to the way the Scripture is going to talk to us about how to fight. We use our words. We have to know who we're, what are we fighting, who are we fighting. I mean, we've we got to figure that out. This country that we live in is going to have one of two things. It's either going to have revival or judgment. One of the two has to happen. I think you know that. Individuals, you and I are individually will be judged in eternity. Nations are judged in time. All nations are judged in time. 
So we need to be people who will lift up our voice, do what we're supposed to do in this fight so that we will continue to be a sheep nation and not a goat nation and that we can have the favor of God in our land. We must have revival. We must not allow the world and the media to steal our words as we speak His word. We must fight in the spirit. We must control the conversation in the spirit realm first because we don't fight against flesh and blood. We need to be speaking what the word says continually over and over. We need to be talking about if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then he will hear from heaven and he will heal our land. But we've got to humble ourselves and pray and not assume that the preachers are going to handle it for us. Because we talked about the American preachers in here and the percentage of those who have a, a worldview and who have a biblical view. We need to find, we need to be speaking the word of God. I mean, we need to control it in the spirit realm. We're going to pro- proclaim his word in spite of what we hear, taste, touch, smell, and feel. Our senses are not what we're led by. We choose to believe his word in spite of circumstances. We're not burying our heads in the sand. We're going to contradict the world's systems that contradict the word by speaking the word in faith and believing it. Oh man, we've got to know this. As we go along in this study, here's what I want us to agree to. I want us to discover what is God and what is not. Much of what is done is not really God. I want us to understand what is, what is scriptural and what is traditional, what is from God, what is from man. Because if we're going to fight, we've got to fight a scriptural way. Remember, if you don't have scripture, you can't call it scriptural. You can call it spiritual, but not everything that's spiritual is the Holy Spirit. You've got to bear that in mind too. Okay, so we, 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 we must find the word and fight with that, with that word. Here's a scripture we've read every week. 1 Timothy 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. It's a good fight, but it's a fight of faith. It's not a fight of intellect. It's not a fight of answers. It's a fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold on eternal reality, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. We've already figured out there's a connection between fighting and confession. Confession is to say out loud and agree with it. I agree, so I say out loud. That's what confession is. We, we found out, I think the last time, that Jesus is the high priest of our confession. In other words, he works with our confession. What happens if we're not saying anything? What if the thoughts are coming that say you're no good, you're not going to make it, You're going to die early. Your kids are going to hell. What if the thoughts come and you don't say anything? The high priest doesn't have anything to work with. The scripture says that we got born again by grace through faith. We believed in our heart and we confessed with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And what happened to us? We had a miracle. 
a miracle came. We were born again because we believed and we said something out loud. We spoke with our mouth because faith without works is always dead. Confession, speaking the word, agreeing with the word and saying it out loud is a vital part of faith. What we say is an action to our faith. In fact, that's the way God created everything. Right? God said, light be, and light became. Even though the sun, the moon, and the stars weren't created until the fourth day, and he said that on the first day. What was the light? His word was the light. Because God said. Did he think he believed it? Absolutely. I'm going to tell you something. Whatever God says is true, and when he says it, it becomes If God said right now, welcome to Saturday, guess what? It'd be Saturday. Because he only says what he means and he means what he says. He can't lie. He only speaks truth. He speaks what he believes. Confession is so important. That's why he created it all. He He said, light be. Light became. So, if we want things to change, how would we get them to change? Would we go whip all the Democrats? That's not going to change it. If we want things to change, we must believe it and begin to say it. We're talking about fighting for a country, fighting for our own minds, our own freedoms, fighting for our lives. We believe in our heart and we say it with our mouth. Now, I am not talking about Name it and claim it. I'm not talking about blab it and grab it. I'm talking about a confession of faith so that we can bring into existence what God said. So we can have His will. Why why don't we pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Why do we pray that? Because His will is not being done in earth. Some, it's some places, but not overall. I mean, if, if everything is happening in this world is the will of God, He is a mean God. The evil doesn't come from God. And I've said this before, you talk about the creation, what day did God create cancer on? Didn't come from Him. What day did He create murder on? He didn't create the murder. So not everything that happens here is His will. So what we do is we now begin to confess, just like He confessed light, we begin to confess what He said. The purpose of this faith is not blab it and grab it, but it's to believe and receive the will of God to bring change in our generation. Just like the Bible says in Hebrews chapter chapter 11, it talks about that people of faith change ages by the Word of God. We have that opportunity. We can change the age we live in by the Word of God. That's what this is about. It's not about me getting, I don't know. When I, when I first got spirit-filled, it was about me getting a black, red and black um, Chevrolet Monte Carlo. By the way, I never got it. Power is released when we say what He said. Change comes about when we say what he said and control the conversation in the heavenlies. A miracle happened when you were born again. Would you agree with that? 
I mean, you were going to hell, now you're going to heaven. You were, you were cursed, now you're the blessed. When you got born again, a miracle happened. All miracles come the same way. They all come the same way. Do you wonder why God sent prophets before Jesus came? Why did he have to tell people that he was coming? Somebody had to confess it before it happened. That's the way he works. The word came and then it was made manifest. That's the way God always works it. All right. If we want change, we have to begin to say some things. It worked for the new birth, which was the greatest miracle. Works for everything else. One time I was praying for a guy after church. We're at the front of the church and I'm praying for him. And he says, pretty loud, he says, he says, I just can't get over this cough. And that's what he said to me. I just, now, this, this is true for everything. I just can't get over this cough. And I said, well, how long have you been saying that? What? You just can't get over this cough. That's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> he had been saying it for so long that he didn't even know what he was saying. But he was getting exactly what he said. Until he gave me permission to violate his will, because it was his will, because that's what his confession was. Then I, I, there wasn't anything I could do. I don't remember what happened in the whole conversation, but he just kept saying, I can't get over the cough. I can't get over the cough. I've heard people say things like this. Well, every time I eat this, and they tell you what happens. Are they telling you the facts? Oh, yeah, they're the facts. But do you understand facts and truth are two different things? Amen. The facts change quite often. Yes. The truth never changes. We need to be people who are speaking the truth. Is it true? The thought came to him. And the thought was, you'll never get over this cough. He should have had the, he should have had the bouncer at the door and said, nope, you're not coming in. That is not true. Not according to the Word of God. It's true according to the facts, but not according to the truth. And so he should have said, no, you're not coming. Don't be talking to me about your bum knee. Don't be talking to me about your aching back. Let's talk about things that God has said. Let's begin to confess those types of things. The Scripture says that your tongue is like a rudder that guides a ship. Your, your mouth is like a horse's mouth. You need to have a bit in the horse's mouth. Why is it saying that? It's saying you steer your life by your words. Your whole life is operated by what you say. You get to choose by what you say. This is pretty fun, huh? The reason we confess for healing is not just because we want to quit hurting, even though it's a big part of it, but because it's promised, number one. Number two, we want to do the thing God called call us to do. If you're sick in bed all the time, you can't do what he's told you to do. If you die early and he's given you a longer assignment, you can't do what he's called you to do. So we want to begin to speak about what God has said. The reason we want to talk about, about God bringing abundance in our lives is so we can do what God told us to do. So we can send money here, send money there, or get on the plane ourselves and go there. What, do what we're supposed to do. I mean, can, can you just think about this for a minute? If you're on I-27 going north, is it going to take you to Midland? No. What do you need to do? 
You need to turn around. You need to change something. You got to turn around. I can just hear somebody saying, well, I don't believe in turning around. Well, that's dumb. I don't believe in, in confession. I don't believe in... You, are, you just did. You do, you do believe in confession because you're confessing it now. I don't believe that works. You're exactly right. For you, it doesn't work. I, I just don't believe it. We need to learn how. Instead of, instead of getting on I-27 and going north and saying, I cannot believe I'm not in Midland yet. I just can't believe I'm not... Where's the sign to Midland? I can't find it. Instead of just talking that way, we need to say, okay, I'm turning around. I'm going to do something different than that. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to call it something different. Instead of just calling it what it is, I'm going to call it what it's not, and I'm going to get turned around. I'm going to see a change take place. We need to learn to speak like Jesus spoke. I do not believe Jesus ever wasted a word. He said it. I mean, I, can, you just, can you just picture being with Jesus the day that he talked to the tree? The, the, the interesting thing is he spoke to the tree. He said, let no man eat fruit from thee hereafter forever. The next phrase is, and his disciples heard it. He said it out loud, and he said it loud enough for his disciples to hear it. I mean, they're just probably thinking, oh boy. He's gone off the deep end. He's into that confession stuff. I, you know, I don't know. The interesting thing is, Jesus talked to the tree. He, actually, the scripture says he answered the tree. The tree talked to him first. The tree basically promised him something, didn't fulfill the promise that he could find in the scripture, because the Bible says he hungered. He talked to it. It didn't do what it said. He cursed it, and he didn't hang around to see what was going to happen. He just went to town. This was a bad day because that day he went to the temple and whipped some people and got them out of there, the people and the animals. He went back out to Beth, and he came, comes back the next day. The Scripture says that tree dried up from the roots. And I'm just going to paraphrase what I see happening. They're walking along, and Peter says, Golly, Jesus, that tree is dead. I'm thinking Jesus was thinking, what did you think it would be? Because Jesus didn't waste his words. He believed what he said every time he said something, which is what he said in Mark 11 later on. If you believe what you say, you can say to the mountain. You got to believe what you say. He believed what he said. That tree was dead from the roots. He, he talked to that tree. He talked to dead people, to dead bodies. And he would say stuff like, Daughter, I tell you to arise. Talitha kumi is what it says. She was dead, but he spoke to a corpse, and the corpse arose. It wasn't a zombie. It was a little girl that was healed. Jesus spoke to fevers. Spoke, he, the Bible says he rebuked the fever of Peter's mother-in-law. He rebuked a fever. Didn't rebuke the devil. Let me just take a step back. He didn't even pray in any of these instances. Didn't pray a single prayer. He spoke what he believed. And when he spoke what he believed, he got the result that he anticipated. Isn't this good so far? Amen. 
Jesus did all these things as a man. And we know that from Philippians, that he divested himself from everything in heaven and he became a man, put on a man. God became a man, Emmanuel. He did it as a man. We're the sons and we're the daughters of God and we can do what he said. He told them, he said, the things that I do, talk to his disciples, shall you do and greater things than these because I go to my Father. We understand as the children of God, we need to be operating in the same way. All we've got to do is get hold of the rudder and turn some things around. Hmm. People can argue with lots of things, but when they see a miracle, they don't care what your theology is about baptism. They just want to know that Jesus. They want to know what, how, what do I do now? See, we need, to, we need to make sure we're not just, just, just crying because we're going the wrong way. We need to turn it around. And that may take some time. I mean, if you have a big old ship in the middle of the ocean, it turns slowly. I mean, there may be, this, there may be the, the, the mechanics that can make it turn quickly, but if it did, it'd throw everything off the ship. It turns slowly so it can get to where it's supposed to be. So we don't need to be crying. We just need to begin to talk the way we're supposed to talk. So we need to begin to let God do in us what He said He would do. Many Christians, they pit their words against themselves and against God. Malachi chapter 3, verse 13, the Lord said, Your words have been stout against me. Do you know that? Your words can be stout against God. Oh, you know my metabolism. It's so, it's so bad. What? Do you know angels only hearken to the voice of His Word? You want help from angels? How about giving them some Word to work with? Oh, you know my blood pressure. Oh, man. See, we need to make our words help us and not hurt us. We need to give the high priest something to work with. I can just hear God sometimes looking down at Christians and saying, please, just give me something to work with. Because we're giving the devil lots to work with. We need to give God something to work with. Give the angels something to work with. There's pressure in this world to be negative. Have you ever noticed that? There's pressure. I mean, even in the language, I mean, why do people, why do people say, good, bad? oh, that's bad? Well, they mean it's good. Well, why? why do, because there's pressure to do that. Why do people damn everything? If you stub your toe, why would you damn your toe? That's the last thing you want to happen to your toe. You want to bless your toe, right? Why, why would you, when your car doesn't start, why would you damn your car? I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about them out there, of course. <laughs> why would you damn your car? Do you want to drive a damned one? No, we want to drive a blessed one. Why don't we speak what God has said? We need to start blessing our bodies, our possessions. The scripture says that Jesus became a curse, that we might have the blessing of Abraham. The scripture says that Abraham was blessed in all things. All things. Why wouldn't we want that? Why wouldn't we say that? I mean, if you read the scripture, you find out that the Israelites, their shoes, their clothes didn't wear out for 40 years. And that's some blessed shoes and some blessed clothes. And they walked every day wherever they went. The Apostle Paul said this, 
for I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. We do not want to die until we finish our course. We want to go, I don't want to get to heaven and the Lord look at me and say, what are you doing here now? You're supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be here yet. No, he wouldn't, he wouldn't say it. He would welcome us, of course. But I want to get there when it's time. I want to finish my course. You need to finish your course. We all need to finish it. We need to keep the faith and fight the fight until we're done, and then we can go and do what we're supposed to do. So, having said all of that, what are we fighting? We're fighting a devil. Yes, we're fighting the devil, but more specifically than that, what are we fighting? Because the devil, have you ever tried to hit him one time? No, you, you can't really slap him. You'd like to. What are we fighting? The apostle said this in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 26, the apostle Paul. He said, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. In other words, we don't need to be aimless with what we're doing. We don't, we don't need to be running hoping that maybe we get somewhere. He said, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. He's talking about fighting. He's talking about fighting a spiritual fight. Let me read it from the New International Version. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. The easy to read Bible says, so I run like someone who has a goal. I fight like a boxer who's hitting something, not just the air. New Living Bible says, So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. Paul is talking about fighting this fight that he said that he had finished his course with. He's talking about fighting something. They had boxing in his days. They had racing in his days. So he's talking about that. Did you, do you realize that when you train to box, you can do what's called shadow boxing? I've never boxed. I told them last night I've only boxed one time. It was one year in football in the spring. The coach found two pairs of gloves, boxing gloves, and said, okay, who wants to fight? And this guy and I, we were friends, and he said, let's you and me do it. I said, okay. He knocked me out with the first punch. So that's my whole experience with, with boxing. <laughs> but apparently in boxing, you, sh- you shadow box. You know, you box against your shadow. You never hit anything. You're just hitting the air. You hit the air and you hit the air and you just, you just act tough like you're hitting the air. And it's part of the training, I, I guess it's supposed to. But you just hit the air. Here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He said, when I punch, it connects. When I run, I get somewhere. He, he's saying, I, I'm not doing all that stuff. Did you realize that you can shadow box and get tired? I mean, you can just start throwing punches at the air and stand up and do all that stuff. And eventually, you're going to get to, you'll work up a sweat just like you did something. I mean, you, you'll look and act like you, you'll be tired. I mean, all that stuff. I mean, it just, it'll look like you've done something, but you didn't accomplish anything regarding laying a punch on the enemy. Paul said, when I fight, I hit something. I dare say a lot of what people call spiritual warfare is throwing punches at the air. If we cannot find it in the scripture, it's not scriptural. So what does the Bible say about how we can land a punch? Wouldn't you like to hit the devil? 
Wouldn't you like to strike something? Wouldn't you like to get somewhere? Well, let's read it then. 2 Corinthians chapter, there are other scriptures, we're going to start with this one. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. We do, our war is not a flesh war. We understand it's a faith fight. Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. I've been a Christian for a long time. And I fought some crazy, what I thought while I was fighting, I thought it was a lot of crazy stuff we did. But I think we might have been fighting after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The fight is not in the natural realm. It's a real fight. He didn't say we don't fight. He just said we don't fight in the natural realm. People do all kinds of things and call it fighting. Uh, you may remember some of these things. You go to the Army Surplus store, buy you some fatigues. You climb to the highest point in the city, and you just start shouting at the devil. And you binding him, and you're doing all those kinds of things, and just screaming at the devil. Fatigues are natural. They're not spiritual. Screaming is the flesh. It's not spiritual. It's natural. Do you think, do you really think the devil's worried when you scream? He knows I mean business. Not if you're not landing a punch. Getting to the highest place is natural. What we're fighting and how we fight, we need to find the Scripture. People have done all kinds of things and imagined it to be spiritual warfare. I may be the worst in this room. I mean, we've been in church and we have, we go, we used to have prayer meetings and we'd pray and we'd start shouting. We'd start drawing the sword. and I mean, we were shouting at the devil. I mean, we imagine we are fighting a spiritual warfare. Can I just throw something out to you? Does it make sense to you? We're having prayer time. And we're shouting. We're drawing a sword. Why would you need a sword in the throne room? I mean, if you're praying, wouldn't that be where you'd be? Why do you need to shout at God? Do you think God can't hear you? What? Why are we going through the theatrics? I mean, you're in the throne room. There's no fight there. When we deal with the enemy, we deal in authority. Hear what I just said. We deal with authority. Screaming it 10,000 times does not give you more authority. I mean, you can just say it one time in faith and authority. That's what you do. Screaming is the flesh. That's in the natural. I mean, show me the scripture where Jesus screams at the devil all night long. You can't because it's not there. You can't even find the scripture where Jesus screamed at the devil. 
I think he probably had to raise his voice to get the person <laughs> so the devil could hear him over the person screaming. But he didn't scream at the devil all night. Why? Because he had authority. Show me the verse where the apostle Peter screamed at the devil all night. Or the apostle Paul. You don't find it. We've been, we, I get it. I mean, I've been a pastor, I know. We want it to be kind of theatrical a little bit so we can kind of, you know, get, get the crowd's attention maybe. I don't know. Have you ever really been in a service where a demon manifests itself? I have. I mean, you're talking along there and all of a sudden the demon starts to manifest and all the people, they back up because they don't want to be, they're doing the, they're backing up. Like, like that is going to do something. I mean, one night this lady had this demonic manifestation where in the office and and a couple of guys are in the office, and so um, I looked out the door to tell one of the ushers to go do something. They're standing, they're standing up against the wall going, hum, 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 hum. <laughs> If you have authority, you have authority, right? Why would a Christian be afraid of a demon? Because you've been programmed by the media. And you believe that a demon can do something to you. You've been programmed to believe they have authority and you don't because after all, they're spiritual beings. We understand this is not a physical war. It's not a flesh war. I mean, you don't have to go, I command you, spirit, come out of him. <laughs> if that's not your real voice, I mean, there's no need to do that. I mean, that's not how we have to do it. Much of spiritual warfare is punching at the air. And people get tired and sweaty, but it doesn't mean they've ever hit anything. And this is pretty fun, huh? Now, if I lost you here, I'm sorry. If I've offended you, I'm sorry. We need to find out what is in the Scripture. What, what do we do? The weapons are not natural. They're real and they're mighty. The Bible says, don't you just love it when, when, when we teach this way? It says, the weapons are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What are strongholds? What does the Bible say a stronghold is? Well, let's, I mean, let's find out because the next verse says, it says, pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. It's defining the stronghold here. There's not a period after stronghold. Okay. It, we're talking about casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Those would be lies. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Don't imagine a stronghold is something that's not in the Scripture. Strongholds are imaginations, lies, thoughts. Those are strongholds. Man, now we're talking about war, spiritual warfare. That's what spiritual warfare is about. It's a, it's a war, it's a battle about belief. It's a battle about thoughts. I mean, what you believe is the biggest part of what you are and governs every aspect of your life. Can I tell you if you believe in prayer or not? <laughs> tell me how often you pray. 
Because if you never pray, you don't really believe in it. Isn't this good? You see, we believe, and what we believe controls what we do. And I don't mean to condemn anybody by, by saying that. I just want to, we need to change some things. Change what we are. Allow the Lord to show us what is really, really in the Scripture. See, the struggle in the whole earth is about what people believe. What they believe. The enemy is doing everything he can do to prevent people from seeing the light and believing the truth. And if they've seen the light and are believing the truth, now the fight is about getting them to let go, which is what we talked about last time. That's the fight. I mean, he, he wants people to turn loose of it. True spiritual warfare is not spectacular enough for most people. It's just, it's just not that spectacular. Most of what is called spiritual warfare is really just shadow boxing. We must have the Scripture. Now, there are times you take authority over a demon. Don't misunderstand me. There are times in a demonic manifestation, but you need to have authority here. This isn't an experiment. You either do or you don't. And here's the thing about demons. They know if you do or you don't. I'm not trying to scare you, but you, you do have authority. Everyone in this room, you have authority. Jesus gave it to you. You have authority over the biggest, baddest demon who's about this tall. You have authority. You have to know it. They don't have the ability to make you do anything. They only have the ability to deceive you. And the media has helped them immensely because in the movies, the demons have horns and they're mean and they're evil and they're awful looking animals or what creatures, whatever they make them to be. And people go to these movies and they get scared brainless because they're looking at these things and they begin to believe that that's what a demon is. They're not. They're not. We have authority. Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority over all the authority and the power of the enemy. We have authority. Jesus said, In my name, believers will cast out demons. We have the authority to do that. I almost wish that every one of you would have started your Christian experience the way I did. I listened, I got this series of, of cassette tapes in 1973 and they were by this guy his name was Derek Prince he was the most boring preacher I'd ever heard in my life but in this series of tapes it was called How to Cast Out Devils and he was so calm and so assured and he spoke to us and told us we had the authority to cast out devils and you know what we did we went looking for them because we thought that would be the funnest thing ever to see a demon manifest and we cast it out and we did it on Friday nights just for fun. Went to Sambo's. It closed at 2 a.m. The drunks came in. We looked for the ones that we thought we could take back to the church with us and cast the devil out of them. And most of the time it was nothing. But sometimes we'd get us a demon that would manifest itself and we loved it. I'm not advocating that to you at all. But it would, you would know that you have authority over demons. Is that okay to know? You don't have to be afraid of them. 
All right, we take authority over them. You either have the authority or you don't. You don't spend your time screaming at the devil. You don't have to get emotional at the devil. That's just a whole lot of flesh, and we don't war in the flesh. I mean, I've heard a lot of preachers, I adjure you in the name of Jesus. Why? Why don't you say, come out in Jesus' name? It doesn't have to be dramatic. We have the authority. That's not my message. Pulling down strongholds and warring. we got to keep it in, str- in context. The strongholds, they're what the war is about. Imaginations and thought. We've, never, we, we've not understood the importance of our thoughts because the thoughts control our words. We have to understand all those things. Certain thoughts can be deadly. Certain thoughts can come to you and you cannot be aware of the war that's going on and they will cause you to put down your armor, put down your sword, and you can be attacked and not even be able to prepare yourself. We've got to take some thoughts and we need to cast them down immediately. The first time the devil says to you, your kids are going to hell because of you. What are you going to do? Oh, I've been such a bad dad. I wish I... No. Take the thought and cast it down with your words. No. My kids are not going to hell. We have trained them in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Say it out loud to the devil. Don't just sit there and let him hit you with thoughts immediate. Oh, you're going to die early. You're just going to die early. No, no, no. The scripture says, with long life, I will satisfy you. That's what I'm standing on. My youth is renewed like the eagles. You can just go shut up and lie to somebody else because I'm not having it. Understanding all the while, he's going to come back and come back and come back. You have to say it over and over. He wants to make you let go of the word. When the thoughts come, it's time to fight a fight of faith. Oh, you're not ever going to make it. No, 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 I will make it. I will do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Long life, I'm satisfied. We're going to throw a punch that hits something and not just hit the air. Don't just lay down and let these barrage of thoughts take your mind. I mean, be, be, be ready for the battle. Be ready for the punch. We're not whiners. We're not ignorant of Satan's devices, which are lies and deceptions. We have weapons that are mighty. What time is it? We have weapons that are mighty. The scripture says, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord. This is out of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Be strong in the Lord in the power of His might. Be strong, not in yourself, in the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against what, do you think? The wiles, not the power the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We put on the full armor of God so we can stand against the wiles. The word wiles means schemes, lies. We need to understand the battle is against the lies, the schemes. How do wicked spirits control whole cities and nations? How do they do that? By wicked leaders who believe the lies and they lie to the people until the people begin to believe the lie they hear over and over again. It's all about how people think. Remember when we were attacked on 9-11? 
The people that attacked us were people who have, who have a strong belief in a lie. And their lie is that, that the world is infected with Christians and Jews. And that their job is to rid the earth of all of them. And they want to kill them. They want to murder them. If they don't convert to, to their religion, they want Christians and Jews to die. And they say that's okay to kill them. Because they believe a lie. They believed a lie for a long time. Wicked spirits lie to people. They lie to people. Our beliefs are so big in us. Our beliefs are so important. You understand tonight that it's because we're still on this planet that it's not caved in yet? I mean, we are the light of the world. We are the only hope it has. And when we go to heaven, we read in the scripture and studied what happens when we're gone. I mean, the Antichrist gets revealed and this thing falls apart pretty quick in seven quick years. Belief governs everything. We need to understand the enemy is trying to win the world by words, by thoughts, by lies. God equips us with the Bible calls the foolishness of preaching. There's no word of God that's void of power, and we must put it in our voice, and we must say it out loud. Don't underestimate him. Don't think, oh, well, you know, the devil's been defeated. Yes, he's been defeated. But he, the Bible calls him the God of this world, and he's blinded the minds of people all over this planet. And we need to bring the light into the world. We need to bring light wherever we go. Man, people, some people want to argue with the devil. You can't. Don't do it. Just quote scripture to him. Well, I'm smart enough. No, you're not. Adam and Eve were the smartest two people to ever walk on the planet. And they couldn't go toe-to-toe -to -toe intellectually with the devil. We've got to understand what we've got to do. The forces are dark. I'm going to close with just with a couple of things here. Revelation 12, verse 9 says this. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. And he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. What does it say the devil does? He deceives the whole earth. That's his job. He deceives. He's a deceiver. The wiles. He tricks people with lies. The fight is against the lies that come to you in your mind, that come to those around you, we have to have the light of God's Word in us so we can be full of light and we can be the light of the world. He deceives the whole world. How many people tonight in this world do you think are in total darkness spiritually? Billions of them are in total darkness. The light must be taken to them. But here's the good news. There's coming a time when one angel, according to Scripture, one angel is going to grab the devil and chain him up and throw him in the dungeon. One angel. Not a whole army of them. One angel. Isn't that fun to know? One angel is going to throw him in prison. And he's going to be there for a thousand years. He's going to get out of the prison and immediately, the scripture says, he's going to go to the four corners of the world to deceive the nations. He's a deceiver. Even being in jail for a thousand years, and you're going to stop him. He's going to be a, he's a deceiver. Then you know what happens to him after that. A couple more verses, then I'm going to read you something else. The Scripture says, But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine into them. Darkness. The lies bring darkness. The truth brings light. That Scripture, by the way, is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. 
Verse 6 says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Listen, God wants the light to shine. We need to begin to speak the word. It, the fight is against the lies. The lies. The devil will come to you and lie to you. You have to fight him. The devil has come to this country and has lied to leaders. We must fight in the spirit. We must continue to make sure our confession is the right confession. I want to read you one thing before we go. I got this little book last night. It's by a group of ladies. Among those ladies is LaVila Henry. And they all wrote little devotionals in it. And I think this will sum up what we're trying to say tonight. And we'll talk more about this subject later on as we go. The name of this little devotional is called George and the Demon. And it starts with a scripture. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Here we go. George, a ditch digger, was a happy man who loved the Lord with all his heart. His job didn't demand the respect of many people, but that didn't bother him. He was glad he had a job. All day long, George would sing praises to the Lord and give him thanks. He worked long, hard hours. Whether it was sunny or rainy, he always had a heart of joy with thanksgiving. The demons weren't pleased with George, for they had discussions about him one day, and they said, We've neglected old George for long enough as they snarled. It doesn't take but a few minutes to discourage most Christians, so let's get it done. And so the task was assigned to one demon called Dubad. The next morning, Dubad showed up at George's work at the same time George did. Dubad didn't even bring lunch because according to his experience, this wouldn't take long. He sat on George's shoulder and he started to whisper in his ear, You're just an old ditch digger, George. You ain't no good. You're discouraged. Much to his surprise, George answered back, I'm the child of the king. I reign in life by Christ Jesus. No, you don't. Not only that, you have lots of things to worry about. Why? It'd be easy to get hurt doing this job. What if your boss decides to fire you? George, I'm telling you, you're discouraged. No, George chuckled. I'm casting all my cares on him because he cares for me. George, you ain't got much sense. People think you're dumb. They don't have any respect for you. George, don't try to deny it. You're discouraged. George said, I just asked for wisdom, and he gives it to me liberally. And he began to sing a praise song to the Lord. Frustrated. Do bad. He was terribly frustrated. But he was determined to not to give up. They kept up the dialogue until the end of the day, but no matter what Dubad whispered in George's ear, George would only reply with Scripture. And in between, he sang praises and gave thanks to God. Dubad was tired and hungry after this encounter with George that day, but, but, but he got rest and showed up again the next morning, and this time he brought a lunch. But the same thing happened over and over for days and days until finally Dubad couldn't take it any longer. He jumped down from George's shoulder, sat up, dejected on the curb. Before long, one of his buddies came by and said, Do bad. What's wrong with you? I'm discouraged, he said. <laughs> we need to take the word of God and believe what he said. We need to say it out loud like George did and defy the lies. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you tonight for your favor in our lives. We thank you, God, we have a job to do. And Lord, we're not going to give up. We're going to stay faithful to you. We're going to do what you've told us to do. We thank you tonight, Father, and we give you praise with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.